Hello, guys. It's a brand new week here. It's a brand new day. And my name is Stephanie. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Remix Movement Podcast. Um, I appreciate it. This is episode 214, 214. And um, many of you guys read the title and were like, oh, my God, here we are. I feel some type of way on this podcast episode. I don't know why. I just want to let you guys know, listen, when I did this podcast episode, I was actually going to title the podcast is acting like the world a constant problem for you. And I noticed that if I were to put it that way, it may have felt like I was attacking your lifestyle, attacking who you are. And I just want to let you know that's not my intention. That's not what I'm doing. A lot of these podcast episodes is a way for us, me included, to be able to look at the way that we're living and try to find a way where we can get closer to God. We can correct the things that we know we're doing wrong based on the Bible and we can pray about it and we can get a deeper relationship with God. That's it. Okay. I know that the battle between our flesh and our spirit is going to continue to be a part of our life until we get to heaven, because when we get to heaven, we're not going to have to deal with our fleshly desires, what it is that we crave that may not be like God. Okay. I have times where I slip up in certain areas too, and I can find it easy at certain times for me to act just like the world. Well, they think this way, so maybe I should think this way. Or they said this, so maybe I should say this. Again, I get it. I don't want you to feel like antagonized or I'm attacking you, okay? We are in a moment in our time where we just need to be able to constantly check ourselves and stop immediately when we have moments where we're feeling like we're acting like the world, when we're feeling like we're not a direct reflection of who God is. And the Bible tells us that we're called to live a righteous life. Righteous means that we're called to live a life that is in the right ways of God. It means our standards have to equal God's standards. And sometimes because of the way that the world wraps things up, because of the way it's packaged, we might see a blur in between God's standards and and our standards, right? There, there might be social media anxiety or pressure. There might be things that the people around you are saying that are going to blur certain things, and it's going to make you feel like, you know what, maybe God's standards are just a little bit too high. Maybe I should lower them. Maybe I'm not thinking this is right. But I will tell you this. God's standards are very explicit in the Bible. They are mentioned, and they are given an example, and they are in a way where God's standards are always going to be much higher than what the world has to offer. I'm just going to start it off like that. Okay, guys, there are going to be things that you will look at that the world will package it in a certain way. And you'll be like, oh, that sounds really cool. But when you read God's version, it's it's a better version because it's a higher standard. Okay, and and most of the times when I think of these things, the first thing I think of is dating. Right. So in the world, a lot of times people have the tendency to think, well, I should be able to test drive the car before I go ahead and purchase a car. And because I can do that with a materialistic car, I should be able to do that with my relationships. I don't have a problem having sex with multiple partners when, you know what, if it works out, it works out. And if it doesn't, then I can move on to the next one. But God's version 
is you don't even need to test out the car. What you need to do is fall in love with God first. Then you'll find the person that God wants for you. And you don't need to worry about the sex part of it because the sex you're going to be able to have with this person goes beyond what you expect. You don't have to test drive. You don't have to fornicate. You don't have to do any of that stuff because God's intention for marriage is one man, one woman together forever. Not together for a certain time, not together for only a few months. God's version of, of dating isn't even like the dating in the world. God's version of dating is courtship. Courtship is basically the men are seeking out the women. The men are treating the women like uh, they are princesses. They're not, they are allowing them to be independent but at the same time showing that they care, okay? And in this world, the world has uh, manipulated it to make it seem like, oh, well, a woman doesn't need a man. A woman can have different options. A woman can uh, have one man to pay her debt and another man to take her out. And, and it's just all twisted, okay? But God's standards are always going to be better. They're always going to be higher. There's a reason for that. That's because God has a bigger plan for you, okay? He has a better purpose for your life than anything that the world has to offer. So I want to shed light on three things that are not of God and that come from the world, Three particular things that um, that when you think of it, they are what the world quote unquote, quote unquote says is right. OK, and it has to do with lifestyle. It has to do with the way we choose to live our life. OK, so it's coming from first John chapter two. And I'm going to be reading from the NIV version, New International Version. In this particular section, it's titled on not loving the world. And I'm starting from verse 15. I'm reading through 17. It says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life comes not from the father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Okay, so let me break it down for you. When he talks about the world and God, okay, the way the world intends for you to do things and the way God intends for you to do things, he's basically using the word love, and that is on purpose. Love is so much deeper than what I like. Love is something that we cling on to and we hope to keep forever. Love is something where, like, if you are in love with someone, then you're willing to trust that person. You're willing to give everything to that person. You have a deeper connection with that person. And it is possible for you to love what the world is offering more than what you love and say is God. This is when I have conversations with people and they say, well, people say they're Christian, but they don't live like a Christian. Well, you can't really say that that person is a Christian because if you're a real Christian and believer of God, then you're a person who not just says it, but you do it. That means that 
I'm going to see you on church. I'm going to see you not cursing. I'm going to see you uh, dressing modestly. I'm going to see you choosing the things of God instead of choosing to party your life away. Go hang out with people if you're married that are opposite sex, okay? And, and do things that are foolish because the world is doing it. If you are a believer in God and you love God like you say you do, then you need to be able to love God's standards as well. And even though you might be having struggles between the flesh fleshly desires and God and your spirit desires, you're still going to want to choose to put God before the world. So he's using the word love in here. He basically says, if you love the world, then the love you have for God is not there. It's not there. You can't be in both places. You can't be lukewarm. The scripture says you can't have both ways. You have to choose one or the other. They're like opposites, right? The world is basically all of the things that are against God, all of those things that the enemy uses as temptation, all of those things that the enemy uses to take your mind off of the things of God, to distract you from your calling. That is what the world has to offer. But it says, but the Father has to offer you other things. The world is going to give you three things. Here it is, ready? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So let's break it down one by one, okay? The lust of the flesh, basically that is anything that gives you a quote-unquote high on pleasure, okay? This could be alcohol, this could be drugs, this could be uh, the center of attention. Anything that makes you feel like you are having a lot of pleasure, okay? Fleshly pleasure. Maybe you like to gossip. Maybe you like to um, talk bad behind people's backs. Maybe you're the kind of person who... You know, you, you like to do things that may not be what God says. That's what the lust of the flesh is, okay? The lust of the eyes has to do with sex. Anything that has to do with sexual desires, anything that has to do with sexual things, regardless of marital status. So you can be single and still have a lust of eyes. You can be dealing with pornography. You can be dealing with lust. You can be dealing with... um feeling horny all the time and not putting yourself in self-control, okay? You can be dealing with lust of the eyes if you're married. You can be caught up in adultery. You could be thinking of someone else and acting upon that what you're thinking, okay? And then the last one is the pride of life. The pride of life is the need to be right all the time. The need to be right about certain things all the time. The need for you to say, you know what? If you're against what my preferences are, then you're against me. You're wrong and I'm right. And this is probably one of the ugliest ones to have because you can have the pride of life and not have a problem with lust of the eyes and, and not have a problem with lust of the flesh. But if you have the pride of life, you will sit in a conceited and selfish attitude. Mentally, you will feel like you are always right. And you won't be able to learn things from people that are put in your life so that you can learn something from them that were put there by God. If you have the pride of life, if you're struggling with the pride of life, then this could be like, you know what? Because I prefer to do things in this category my way, then that means that they're wrong and I'm right. And if we're going to have a conversation about this, then that means that we're always going to have an argument. You're always going to be wrong. You're going to try your best. We're going to do hours and hours of just conflict, conflict, conflict. And the reason why is because of this pride of life. Okay. There are certain things in life 
that are very clear cut, right and wrong, according to the scripture, right? The Bible says that adultery, fornication, and murder, all of those things are absolutely wrong. They are incorrect. You should not be doing any of them, all right? There's plenty of scripture in the Bible that tells you that. Yet, people still fall for adultery and fornication, and God forbid, some people do commit murder, okay? But there are other things that as believers, people who say they're Christian, people like you and me who say that we, we are Christian, we believe in God, okay? We, we go through certain topics, certain things that the lines are a little bit more blurred. And the reason why they're blurred is because those are areas in our life where we have a, we, we have a conflict with aligning them to what God says. So here are some examples of that, right? Cursing. There's a lot of people that were born and raised in, 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 uh, you know, in the culture of Christian, uh, Christianum, Christianity that says you shouldn't curse. You shouldn't use those curse words. You shouldn't have to worry about it. There's power in your tongue. And then there's other people that say, you know what? But I'm not really cursing. I'm going to change this word for this word. I'm going to change this word for this word. Oh, I only use this word when it's Spanish. And I only use this word when it's a different language. Cursing could be blurred around. Here's another one, right? If you are married and you have a best friend of the opposite gender, See, a lot of Christians that were born in the way that they were born, there's some people in different constructs and different times and different eras, they're going to say, no, you should not have best friends of the opposite sex. What does that mean? So me and Lewis are married, and if I had a best friend that was a man, and I would choose to go out with him, just me and him, and we choose to have conversation about my marriage, about my life, my career, I see that there's something wrong with that. I see that that is not an area that's meant for me to walk in. That's a preference and that's a standard that I believe that God has called me to follow. Okay. And the same thing goes for Lewis. Lewis doesn't have a friend that's a female friend. Why? Because me and him, when we got together, intentionally courting each other, dating each other, we decided that we're going to commit to being each other's best friend. If I have a problem with Lewis, I'm going to go to Lewis. If I have, if I want to be able to talk to him about certain things that I want, I'm going to go to Lewis. Lewis is my only man best friend. Now I have other men best friends. I have, I mean, not best friends, but I have friends, acquaintances, right? That maybe we go out as a group, which is fine, but I am not going to go ahead and invest my my time that is valuable, my time that that may lead to other conversations that are unnecessary with another man so that they could be able to understand certain things. Okay. And then here's another example, modesty. So people who say that they're Christian, not everybody thinks that modesty is the same thing. Some people are going to say, you know what, there's nothing wrong with wearing a bikini as long as, you know, your, your lady parts are covered, right? doesn't matter how small. It doesn't matter how big. There's other people that, you know, like, you know what? Modesty is probably better if they wear a one piece. And everything like this, what I'm coming to say is these are topics where the, the lines get blurred out and you have to understand these things in context. Who's it coming from? What does it do? And how does it affect me as a believer? How does it affect me in my Christian life? How can I make this into a situation where I can learn from it 
and I can choose what is the right and the wrong way based on God's biblical principles, okay? Now, these are all, these three things, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and pride of life, they are all ugly traits and characteristics to have. And once again, I can't say this enough, they come from the world, okay? So the question is, what do we do to correct ourselves if we find ourselves acting more like the world and falling into these three categories? What do we do when this situation happens? And to answer that question, I'm going to go to Mark chapter 8, and I'm going to go ahead and start in verse 34, and I'm reading through verse 38. So it says, then he called, this is Jesus, then he called to the crowd to him, then he called the crowd to him, along with his disciples, and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when it comes to his Father's glory with the holy angels. Now, I love the Bible because in this in this scripture and the scripture we read before, we're seeing three things being mentioned, okay? In 1 John chapter 2, we read about the three things that come from the world, okay? And in this scripture, we're reading about three things that Jesus himself tells us that we need to do in order for us to be able to be more like God and less like the world, Okay, three is the number of completion, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. These are three people in one body, the Holy Trinity. Okay, catch that because sometimes the Bible, <coughs> woo, I'm sorry about that, woo. Sometimes the Bible will go ahead and give you revelation. So this is one of those. Three is the number of completion. Make sure you catch it. <laughs> All right, so. The three things that we need to do according to the scripture. First one is deny your fleshly desires. Deny yourself. When he says this, it's basically before you follow me, before you take up your cross, before you do anything, I need you to check yourself. Check yourself daily. Check what you're doing. If you find yourself lusting, if you find yourself catching uh, in the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, or the pride of life, let it go. Deny it. Don't do it again. Catch yourself in the moment and don't do it anymore. Deny that desire. Okay. Number two, take up your cross. What does this mean? Repent. Okay. Repent. The cross was a punishment. It was a means to death for those who broke the law. Jesus carried a cross that was not meant for him. The cross that he bared was meant for you and me, for people who are born in a world of sin, for people who did not know who Jesus was. Yet Jesus carried our cross and he took our place. He forgave us. He saved us. He redeemed us. Why? Because he loved us. And then to make things even better, he rose again with all of his power and might. So we also need to be able to take up our cross, which means we need to be able to say, you know what, God, I noticed that this is wrong. I noticed that this is worldly. I noticed that this is not your standards. And we need to be able to say, 
I am sorry. I don't want to do this again. Please forgive me. That is how we carry our cross. For a lot of people, it's not hard for them to catch what they're doing is wrong. It's not hard. It's what you do after you catch it. There's some people that they like the pleasure of being part of the world. And because they like that pleasure, that fleshly desire, they're not going to deny their cross. They're not going to repent. Why? Because they think that it's better to ignore it. I have time. I can do it later. I have time. I, I just want to go to this party. I just want to drink. I just want to go and hang out with this person, even though I shouldn't. They, they think that they have time. And I'm here to tell you that time is not on our side because we don't know how long we have. Only God knows. Why are you going to waste your time in a temporary moment of happiness when you can be able to say, you know what? This is not for me. This is not right. I'm going to leave this area. I'm going to leave this moment. And I'm going to look for something that's going to give me joy. I'm going to give me something that's going to be leaving me something that's going to last longer than a temporary state of mind, something that's going to be better. I'm going to leave this relationship that is making me feel like I'm not who I am. I'm going to leave this relationship that I know this person doesn't pray for me. This person doesn't believe in God. This person does not uh, lift me up when I'm feeling down. This person does not see God the way I see it. Yes, they give me temporary satisfaction. Yes, they give me my fleshly desires. Yes, they look good. Listen, there are people in relationships right now that you're only with them because they look good. But let me tell you something. Just because they look good now doesn't mean that they steward their money right later. It doesn't mean that, that you're even going to be able to marry that person. It doesn't even mean that even if you marry that person, that God is going to be able to save that person. Why are you going to put yourself through that situation? It's better if you just say, you know what? This is not for me. This is not what God called me to. I am better than this. Because when you deny that fleshly desire and you choose to take up your cross and repent, you will repent and end up in a relationship that God has called you to. You will end up with someone that loves God more than you and is willing to show you how much they love you. You will be willing to have a long-lasting marriage relationship, build a family, and have something that is beautiful, but that could only happen if you choose to deny your flesh and take up your cross and repent, okay? So the last one is follow me, follow Jesus, okay? It does not make any sense, again, for you to admit where you're wrong and intentionally go back to doing what is wrong. That's basically like insanity, right? Insanity is doing the same thing, expecting a different result. There's no need for that. The world tries to make you feel like you're going insane because you're choosing the wrong person all the time. You're falling in the same problem all the time. But what you didn't do was say, you know what, God, I'm going to give this area of my life to you. And I'm going to follow you. And how do I follow you? I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to seek your face. I'm going to pray every day. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to get connected to other believers, other Christians that are going to help me out. And if I fall into a situation, those people are going to be able to lift me up. 
I'm going to follow you. I'm going to choose to have a relationship with you. And not just a, a, a superficial relationship that's only once in a while. I'm talking about a friendship with God. Okay? So those are the three things that God says that you need to do. Deny your fleshly desires. Take up your cross. Repent and follow Jesus. Have a relationship. Don't go back. All right? So I want to say this again. I understand the battle between our flesh and our spirit. It's not going to end. It's not going to end until we go to heaven. But we need to be clear and we need to be able to stop ourselves when we're acting more like the world and less like God. You know, I hear a lot of a lot of Christians say, well, we need to act like Christ so that other people can see God in us. But the truth of the matter is the first person to benefit from acting more like Christ is not the other people or the people surrounding you. The person who benefits first is you. See, you receive benefits when you follow God. You receive peace. You receive self-control. You receive flourishment. You receive revelation. You receive uh, joy. You receive happiness. You receive increase. You receive anointing. You receive all of these wonderful things that God has for you, these blessings that he has for you. And it first benefits you when you choose to leave the lust of the flesh, to leave the lust of the eyes, to leave the pride of life, and to follow God. It's better for you to act like Christ more than the world because you want to be able to get a deeper relationship with God because you don't want to just settle for what the world has to offer. Because if we go back to Mark chapter 8, when he finishes verse 38, look at what he says here. I'm just going to go back really fast. It says, what good, I'm sorry, 36, what good is it for you to gain the whole world and forfeit your soul? You can try everything this world has to offer. You can try it all and you can say it makes you happy. But if God is not in that situation, if God is not providing you what's giving your soul satisfaction, you're basically forfeiting your soul. You're basically saying, you know what, God? I don't really need you. I don't really need you. The world is giving me everything that I want. I don't really need you. I don't know how much time I have left. But you know what? It's not even worth finding out all the treasures you have for me. It's not even worth finding out all of the, the peace, satisfaction, joy, and blessings that you have for me. So beware. Beware of this. You know, make this as a warning, right? Like, let this be a checklist and a moment in time where you can go back and you can check yourself. If I could retitle this episode, it would be check yourself. Check yourself. Why are you falling into what the world is telling you so easy? Why is it such a problem for you to choose in certain areas of your life, be it financially, be it relationally, be it in the way you dress, the way you talk? Why is it so easy in that area? You, what you need to do is pray and decide to follow those three steps that, that God gives you. Deny your fleshly desires, take up your cross, repent, and follow Jesus. And trust me, if you do these things and you allow God to work in your life, you allow God to be your friend, you allow God to take over those areas that are super difficult for you to determine what the standards are, you're going to be able to have a testimony on the other side. You're going to be able to see the fruition of what God has for you. Okay? 
And we're not perfect. I'm not saying I am, but I'm saying we need to be intentional with the way we live. The way we live is not something we take for granted. We don't have tomorrow promised to us. It's better that we do this now than we wait till later when we're mothers, when we're fathers, when we're uncles, when we're aunts. When we're in a moment where we feel like, wow, I wasted X amount of years because I decided to do things the worldly way and not God's way. I could have been better a few years ago, but I decided to live my life in a way that wasn't pleasing to God. You don't want to waste that time. And if you've made mistakes, there's always a chance for you to come back. And this is exactly what maybe God is trying to tell you right now. You're listening to this podcast and you're like, you know what? She's right. There's areas in my life that I, I have problems with. I don't see God in these areas. Like when I get invited to certain places and I get invited by certain people, like God is out the window. Why is that? What is it that I need to do? Just pray and, and let it go and follow God. All right. So this was your uh, Remix Your Life episode. I'll talk to you again later this week. God bless. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Remix Movement for more updates. Be sure to check out our videos on YouTube and subscribe. Feel free to send us a DM with your feedback, questions, and any topics that you would like to hear in any of our future episodes. Thank you and God bless. <laughs>